0: So I I intended to release a new episode once every two weeks, but I've had a pretty horrid time uh, in my personal and professional life. Um, I'll share the professional news in another episode. Um, But yeah, personally, life's been a little bit chaotic with the health of my dog, Indy declining. There've been quite a lot of vet visits. One, which I I actually took her to the vet to get her put down. Um, So generally my head isn't in the best place right now, but she's still kicking around. Oh my goodness, she's going to be 16 and a half in a few months. Mongrels are crazy, by the way, they just keep going. Anyway, today I want to talk about the benefits of doing things that don't scale. The unexpected delights of manual processes. In Paul Graham's essay of the same name, Do Things That Don't Scale, he talks about where you... Or your software, you're the software. You're doing things by hand. You're doing things manually that you plan to automate later, which means you can launch faster. And you do things manually for as long as you can and then gradually automate the bottlenecks. So that's what I mean when I talk about doing things that don't scale. It's me being the software, me processing quotes and binding policies instead of building the technology to handle that job for me. Now, obviously, we are currently building the software to do that job. That's the whole reason I've been recording these episodes recently, to document this very complicated, long, winding process of automating with Jack. And now is the right time for me to automate the business due to wanting a healthier work-life balance. I don't want to be glued to a laptop screen all day. Currently, I feel like a little bit of a prisoner of the computer. And I also want to free up my time to focus on doing things that will take the business forward because I feel like I'm at this interesting stage where now it's all about adding value for my customers and figuring out what the missing piece of the puzzle is that will mean I found product market fit. And also because I want to match our competitors in terms of being able to offer self-service instead of customers relying on my availability to do things for them. But... There are so many benefits of doing things that don't scale. And that's what I want to go into today. Obviously, Paul Graham said that you launch faster. And he's right. Um, But another benefit that I think kind of pairs nicely with being able to launch quicker is that you're going to save money by being the software instead of building the software. So if we look at my situation, the automated quote and bind system that we're building right now Um, I don't have a concrete figure of what it's going to amount to yet, but I would comfortably guess that I'll have spent upwards of £50,000 in total. And £50,000 is a lot of money to me. And considering all of the other costs surrounding running a business in a regulated industry, like I had to pay a non-refundable application, I have to have... £10,000 just sitting in a bank account at all times. I have to pay annual fees to the the regulator and I wouldn't have been able to do all of that when also factoring in the cost of building the software or I would have had to have went down the funding route and if you've listened to previous episodes then you'll know how I feel about that. So doing things that don't scale meant that my biggest overhead for several years whilst I tried to kind of build up my book of customers, was all of the regulatory stuff. The tech stuff I was able to kind of cobble together for, I don't know, I can't remember the exact figure because we've kind of iterated and built on it over time, but I'd say around £10,000. And that was still a big gamble for me to take. I'd used the money that I'd saved from my freelance photography work, but it is a hell of a lot easier to take that leap at £10,000 than to put yourself in debt, remortgage the house, you know, borrow money, do whatever it takes to find upwards of fifty thousand pounds. And the systems that we built with that initial ten thousand pound investment have helped me get my first fifteen hundred customers. Uh, it helped me sell my first one million pounds of insurance. And those markers, you know, that fifteen hundred customers, those that milestone, the one million pounds of insurance. They make it easier to now invest the £50,000 building out all of the systems because now we have monthly recurring revenue. Like things are pretty consistent, they're stable, we have money in the bank. It is a sustainable business as opposed to a hypothesis, which is often what your business is in the early days. You know, it's an idea that you're testing. The automated quote and bind system is still the biggest financial commitment that I have ever made and I think about how scary it is on a daily basis Um, especially to kind of take that leap at this point with the way that the economy is but it does feel easier to make that commitment now that I've built a profitable business. This wasn't the you know, the the sexiest or most exciting or fun way to get started. In fact, looking at my competitors who all launched with, you know, bells and whistles from day one, I felt inferior and even embarrassed. But it was, in hindsight, the smartest way. The next benefit of doing things that don't scale is that I feel like I've gotten to know freelancers on a whole other level, like probably a deeper level than any of my competitors Who've offered self service from day one? Because, as a byproduct of having to manually process quotes, renewals, cancellations, and everything in between, I'm constantly in dialogue with customers at various stages of their business journey all throughout the day, every day. We're having conversations at the stage where they're thinking about insurance questions around what products to buy I get a lot of freelancers buying insurance for the first time asking what insurance do I actually need and this is a little bit of a tangent but it's still related to kind of getting to know my customers on a a deeper level instead of sending them a product overview and giving them a pretty dry answer um, I find a really useful question is to ask them what keeps you awake at night with your business and based on their answer I then tell them what insurance products can assist and how. And I found that works really well in increasing the likelihood of them signing up because instead of taking this hypothetical situation, we're addressing a real fear and taking the products that we sell, which let's face it, are very complex, and giving them real context. And I don't think that I'd be having those conversations if we'd automated the process. We're having conversations when they're buying insurance. So what part of the checkout process is confusing? What's a barrier to signing up? Where are the bottlenecks? And how can we address them with the new quote and bind system? And we're having conversations when they're canceling. Is it because they're using a different provider? Why is that? You know, have their circumstances changed? So those conversations, my goodness, they are a gold mine of important data. Why do customers churn? When we have that information, we then know how to reduce churn. Or what drew them to choose with Jack over other providers? Once we know what's attractive about us, we can double down on that. So now we have answers to some very important questions which informs everything, including how we build our quote and bind system to reduce friction, to make our customers' lives easier, to give them what we want and to you know improve conversions. Lastly, my goals have massively changed as a result of manual processes. I feel like I've shifted from obsessively focusing on the tech that we need to build to putting the spotlight on jobs to be done So, I have a confession. When I first started, I naively believed that if I built a really slick onboarding process for freelancers to get insured, I'd see big results. Like, I would gobble up a pretty decent chunk of the market share of the two million freelancers in the UK. And I thought I could be a bit like Uber, where they've simplified and improved the process of booking a taxi using clever design and modern technology and it saw them dominate a kind of stagnant industry that hadn't changed for a very long time as a result of that. So I thought that there could be a lot of similarities applying that to insurance. What I didn't learn until I launched and actually started talking to and helping freelancers is that nobody cares all that much about the onboarding. They don't really care about the technology or the infrastructure. Also, booking a taxi meets a much more immediate, you know, demand than getting insured. Um, People benefit from using Uber almost instantly. With insurance, you're kind of buying a product to assist with something in the future that may or may not happen. But anyway, in most circumstances, it's not about getting the quickest quote or using a provider that doesn't charge fees. These things can move the needle when choosing who to use, but they aren't the reason freelancers are on your website in the first place. Instead, what I've learned from asking that question that I told you about earlier, what keeps you awake at night with your business, they're worried about getting paid on time. They're worried that their client doesn't think, their work is good enough, or they're worried about the consequences of confronting difficult clients. They're worried about the impact of making a mistake in their work. The list goes on and on. And this is what insurers are overlooking, in my opinion. They ignore the emotional motivation behind the purchase and think purely about their features. Get covered in seconds no cancellation fees cool but none of that taps into the reason that person is on your website in the first place what is their motivation what job are they hiring us to do and I don't think that I would have focused on jobs to be done had I launched with the software from day one or I think it would have it would have maybe taken me longer to get to that point because I'd have been having fewer insightful customer conversations So I'll definitely miss a lot of these benefits of doing things that don't scale. And I'll have to find, you know, different ways of having customer conversations, like making more of a concerted effort with customer development. But I'm also really looking forward to the next stage of With Jack and what doors open as a result of automating the business. I've mentioned it before and I'll say it again for me the next stage is all about finding figuring out what the missing piece of the puzzle is thanks for listening to this episode of Bootstrap Digest follow along as I share my progress with getting my delegated authority and building and launching the software that's going to automate everything and help me reclaim my life if you want to check out my personal blog then visit iomashley.co.uk, and if you want to see what I'm building, then head to withjack.co.uk Until the next episode, bye!